Welcome everybody to No One Likes the Tuna Podcast, the world's premier, dedicated, fast and furious podcast. My name is Nick Nocera. And I'm your co-host, Daryl Wong. Daryl, we are joined today by somebody I never thought would come on the pod. We have a superstar. It's true. Um, We have a co-worker... Is that right? Is that the right uh, word? A former? former former employee, I guess. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So longtime listeners, of which there's probably about four, uh, will remember that my sister Kate Nocera has been on the pod many times. And our guest today, Sarah Mims, used to work for my sister. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. You're you and I have never met. Nope. We do not know each other. Nope. Uh, but your sister was my boss. And when you asked her to go on a Fast and Furious podcast, she asked me for my expertise, oh, which I gladly gave. I didn't and know that happened. I have been wanting to be on this podcast ever since. I was offended, honestly, that Kate was asked and not me, a complete stranger to you. So I'm thrilled yeah. to be here. No, that makes that makes sense. I mean, I'm <laughs> glad you're here. Her guesting was a junket to sort of like get to you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, you know, after me, maybe it's Vin Diesel. I feel like that's that's the pro- that's the projection. There you go. Kate doesn't know what she's talking about. Sarah knows what she's talking about. And then you just go straight into the A-list stars. Right. I think that's normally what happens in 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 life. Yeah, it's the right you know, step for any it. situation. It's like, you know, you you go through your your friends and family, and then like friends of friends, and then Vin Diesel. Mm-hmm. That's how yeah, it works. That's, that's accurate. Um, so we all watched Fast and Furious from two thousand nine, the fourth installment of the Fast and Furious franchise. Daryl, how was your watch through this week, man? Watch through was rough, not because the movie itself was rough, but because. We had a rough week. We had a rough week over here in the Northeast. Oh, I did you have, like in pandemic land? Pandemic land plus tornadoes. I was in tornado Whoa. country. We lost power. We lost. I couldn't do anything for like two days. Oh, and shit. I, had re- I had to retreat back to Brooklyn to get on the internet. Where were you rough. when so you weren't in Brooklyn? So Connecticut, Connecticut. earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, you're based out of D.C., is that right? That's right, yeah. We just Did got a lot of rain. Did you have weather troubles? No, we just got a lot of rain. Um, my mom, who lives in Washington State, apparently George Stephanopoulos was bitching about the weather in D.C. on the national news somewhere, so I was getting frantic texts from her, but we were fine. Just rained. George is such a fucking, like, you know? Come I on. mean, <laughs> I don't want to get sued by George Stephanopoulos, personally. Yeah. Um, he but listens. Yeah. No, he seems. Oh. <laughs> Be careful. Yeah, he seems like a little bit of a punk. He's yeah. our. He's one of our patrons on, pa- on Patreon. <laughs> you know, George Stephanopoulos famously loves not just the Fast and Furious franchise, but specifically Fast and Furious, the fourth film in the franchise. Do you? No. Oh, <laughs> I'm you and sorry. George at odds, I hear it. I'm sorry. I I love this franchise. I love this franchise so much. Uh-huh. And I think when we were talking about me potentially doing the podcast at some point, 
Uh, I, w- I wanted to do six, which is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, Me too. Or th- oh, the six. It's the best. The, the tank scene is what I always tell people about. It's mm-hmm. incredible. Um, and it was sort of a tie for me between Too Fast, Too Furious and Fast and Furious, the movies that I remember the least about. Right. And I think watching this, like my problem with it is not that it's actively terrible because it's not. Mm-mm. It's just it's so close to being good and not being good that mm-hmm. it almost bothers me more. Yeah, I would say of them, it's like the most nothing movie, right? Yes. Like one is one, two is trash. So it's like it's got that going for it a little bit. Exactly. Three yeah. is this wild spin-off that's got that's a lot awesome. of character. Uh, and then four is just kind of nothing, you know. Yeah. Well, we were saying we were saying earlier in the season here that right, we asked ourselves, "What's missing from Too Fast? Was it need to truly be a great movie?" And the answer was Vin Diesel. Mm-hmm. And yes. now that we're here in our fourth installment, Vin's back, and yet here we are. I know. Maybe we're wrong <laughs> about that. <laughs> maybe it just needs a good script to be good. <laughs> This is the thing. It's not even uh, the script. Yeah, the script is not excellent. But you have Michelle Rodriguez for five minutes, and then you kill her. I did not remember. I'm sorry. Spoilers for people who didn't watch Fast and Furious Four before listening to this podcast. We're we're um, blanket spoilers for all the movies all the time. Okay, great. <laughs> um, it's the nature of our work. How did they kill her off in the first fifteen minutes of this movie? Yeah, I remember that she died, but I don't remember that it happened so early. And you it's have, a drag. It's a total drag. You have her gone, and then I got so excited when I saw Han on screen because I forgot that Han was in this movie. Mm-hmm. And he similarly is gone in the first twenty minutes of the film. Yeah, he only hangs out in the dr with them, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Michelle, and then they do this thing. They sort of, they, they stab you in the ribs with the Michelle death. And then they twist the knife a little bit where it's like, oh, don't worry. We have this other lady. You're going to love her, you know, <laughs> with Gal Gadot or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they, before Gal Gadot and Han and Five and Six sort of became this thing, they definitely here and for are angling for like, here's your replacement female protagonist slash you know love interest for Dom Toretto basically yeah yeah like a I mean, one Giselle is Giselle is great but she's not great in this because they haven't figured out what to do with her yet yeah exactly That's she's exactly. great in five and six but yeah I was actually reading I did a lot of research for this podcast I um <laughs> <laughs> I, we need to know we need to know what you've uncovered let me tell you Sarah before you launch into your research we do zero research. Okay, we, great. We watch the movies, and Daryl, correct me if I'm wrong, but basically we feel like that's enough work. You know? Like, that. Absolutely. every week, watching a two-hour movie is enough for us. Absolutely. And with repetition, uh, with repetition comes expertise, and mm-hmm. uh, that is the sole origin of our um, Fast and the Furious knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, I think that's extremely fair. I don't know why you guys have watched these movies as many times as you have. I mean, five, six, seven again. I totally understand. I would watch right. them weekly if anyone allowed me to. Um, 
but yeah, so my, <laughs> my quote unquote research, I was reading a couple of rankings. Uh, there's a good ringer one. There's a couple others, just rankings of the whole franchise, right? This one tends to be in the seven, eight, nine position, which is not great. Right. right. One of the ones that I was reading, uh, was talking about Fast Five and said Gal Gadot's character, Giselle, was introduced in this film. Whoa. And I said, hold on. Wow, total Giselle erasure. She is in this movie. She's just... A lot, actually. Not given a ton to do in it and is a bad guy, but all of a sudden in Five, she's a good guy and no one talks about that. Right. Well, they do... She does have that sort of moment in Mexico with Dom... Where they sort of like she gives them a smooch on the cheek, you know. <laughs> like, but yeah, I don't know if it's redeeming enough for all the bad shit she got up to. Um, the other thing I discovered for this, and I don't know if we want to hold off on this uh, for another time. Have you guys seen Los Bandoleros? The mm-hmm. short film that precedes this movie that is in the DVD extras because I watched that thing. <laughs> Daryl has, I think. Awful. We definitely watched it very early on as part of an in-between. Yeah. Um, wait, is Los Bandoleros between two and four or between one and two? Wasn't there, a, there's a mini oh, movie a really between, I think it's, there's a mini movie between one and two. Yes. That shows, right, Brian's. Uh, that shows Brian's trip. I think it's called Full Throttle. The one that shows Ooh, Brian's yeah. trip across the country. From L.A. to Miami. Um, but I don't know wow. if I've seen... I don't know if I've seen it. Maybe this is, like, new content. I'm I'm not familiar with the other one. I had never heard of this either. It is a Vin Diesel written and directed 20-minute short film. Ooh. Which immediately proceeds for and tries to explain why at the beginning they're robbing a gas truck. It does so we, poorly. There's there's something we've definitely like circled this movie, but I don't know if we've seen it. I see. Yeah. We, I watched I've known it of its existence before. It's <laughs> let did, me did just say it? I did. Uh, it's only twenty minutes. Um, yeah. I had never heard of it before. For something that is written and directed by Vin Diesel, uh, it's very clearly those things. He at one point is making out with two different women on a couch when Michelle Rodriguez walks in, gets upset with him, but immediately forgets about it. And they spend the next seven minutes and the final seven minutes of the short film, just making out in a variety of locations. (laughs) It's it's, pretty good. (laughs) It's incredible. (laughs) So 14, 14 minutes of lip lock. Is that what we're talking about here? Easily. Easily. (laughs) Han is in the short film more than he is in Fast and Furious. Whoa. Really enjoyed it. I for sure have never seen this before. No, I don't think I've ever seen it either. And it it may be a case where I don't want to see it because watching Vin Diesel smooch, as we've discussed many times on the pod, (laughs) is not a pleasant experience at all. Can I give you a hot take on that, though? Oh, please. I'm not suggesting that I enjoy watching Vin Diesel kissing anyone, but Vin Diesel has zero chemistry with anyone. Right. Except for Michelle Rodriguez. I actually think that they have great chemistry together. I do too. I believe them as a relationship. And I'm going to give you one more person he has chemistry with. Paul Walker. Oh, true. Big time. 
True. Big time. But you're you're so right about the lack of chemistry thing. Like, and and that is across the board with basically all of his movies. Yes. He he just doesn't have a connection or chemistry with any other co-star I've ever seen. Um, why why do you think that is? Given that you guys, from what I understand, are big Vin defenders. We I are. think my answer would be he is not a good actor. Yeah, but I mean that's I a like touchy subject for us. I think, <laughs> I think that's, that's that's a that's a that's more of a that's more of a razor's edge than you think it might <laughs> than you think it might be for Sorry us. Sorry to bring it up. I no, it's okay. Um, we just watched before this cycle began. We watched Vin's probably crowning achievement in acting, um, a movie called Find Me Guilty from 2006, directed by Sidney Lumet, Never. where he plays a uh, mobster who defends himself in court. And it's just a st- like, he's so good at it. Like, in, in a legitimate, like, I like movies, I'm into cinema, and this guy is acting very good in this movie. Way. I'm writing this down. I'll watch it. Yeah. To be fair, the premise of that movie does position him as a person who... Yeah, he has to play what comes off as very selfish, but ultimately he has to convince people that he is lovable, if not through his words and through his actions. And I think the uh, the complexity of his character and his perceived inability to connect with other actors or characters within the movie, I think, at least in Find Me Guilty, he's set up such that he doesn't have to do that. Yeah, and he's basically all alone, right? Like, he's just making jokes and speeches to the court, right? Instead of, like, sort of trying to have chemistry with another person. And I think that plays to his strengths in that, like, he can just do the Vin Diesel show, which he loves, obviously, like, loves doing, right? (laughs) Like, he loves the Vin Diesel show so much, (laughs) you know? Um and another, like, the other instance of him acting well is in another Vin Diesel joint, uh, which is Multifacial, his, like, short film that I talk about on occasion. Have you seen that, Sarah? I have not. Yeah, it's, the whole thing's on YouTube. It's another 20-minute thing, and it's written and directed by Mr. Mark Sinclair Vin Diesel himself. <laughs> Uh, and it's about being a sort of ethnically ambiguous actor in New York City and trying to like audition for for roles. Interesting. Okay, I'll check it yeah. out. The the history, the story around it is that Spielberg saw it somehow and cast him in Saving Private Ryan shortly thereafter. Really? Yeah. See, I also had no idea that Vin Diesel was in Saving Private Ryan until your sister came on this podcast and I listened to the episode and you informed her of that fact. So I've got to go back and watch that movie again. Yeah, is Saving Private Ryan good? It's like, uh, is it good? We don't know. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's one of the... um, the, the struggles of being a even partially a Vin Diesel fan is that mm-hmm. you want to like him and you find yourself week after week or with greater uh, periods between searching for glimpses of his uh, true acting potential. And <laughs> right. I think I think you'll find yourself both surprised and 
slightly disappointed <laughs> throughout your journey. Right. Right. I can't wait. It's a frustrating experience being, you know, it's like, it's, it really is. It's like, you just go into every perform, every time I watch these movies, I'm just like, Vin, you're like, you're, you're just so close. You're so close, but you're completely dropping the ball, basically. Is he good in this movie? Oh, no. (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 absolutely okay, not. i just wanted to see what we were working with okay no. yes yeah i think my feeling about it is that like this is the movie he decided to create dominic toretto the character mm. right like obviously one don toretto is in one but he's like this we we talk about this a lot, but he's like this lively, young, charismatic person in one. Totally different. Yeah. And this is the movie where he like realized this was sort of franchisable and decided to like settle into this sort of monotone, beefed out man. And he doesn't, but he doesn't quite have it yet. Like in five, it's much more refined and much sort of better. Yeah. Of a of a, almost a caricature of a thing, but this one is like he's kind of stumbling around in the dark, looking for where he wants to be. In my opinion, yeah, I mean, it's kind of he's trying to go for sort of a James Bond thing, mm-hmm. which is actually sort of prescient of him because of the way that the series goes from just like dudes robbing trucks for whatever they need into like international spies and assassins. And he is kind of thinking ahead in that way, but you're right. He doesn't quite hit it here. Mm -hmm. Also feels like if there were maybe a better script, there might be a little bit more. Oh yeah. Funny. Yeah. Good, good insight. That is totally true. A hundred percent. Fucking the script on this movie sucks so bad and is confusing. It doesn't make any sense. And you guys mean you haven't seen the bad guy's assistant who turned out to be the bad guy before? Yeah. Like, oh, uh, that's what I got yeah, the wow. whole time. Um, the guy who plays Braga is actually pretty good, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's just hamming it up in a super fun way. Right. He's having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And the oh. other thing I really noticed on this watch through after 16 times, my boy Shea Wiggum is fucking great. Like, who's that? Stasiak. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Stasiak. Stasiak, yeah, Stasiak. The guy, the other FBI agent who's sort of at his, you know, at Brian's, um, oh, on Brian's yeah, heels yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Um, and gives him shit, and then Brian, like, beats him up at one point. He is so fucking good in this movie. Like he's he's great, and like I've been watching. He I'm, now that I've got Stasiak on the brain, he's popping up everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. I'm watching this new Perry Mason show. He's fucking in that. Really? Uh, I watched Boardwalk Empire a couple months ago. He's in That's that where shit. I know from. Yeah, he's fucking great in that show. Yes, Shea Wiggum is good. He's great to see. I think I watched the first episode of Perry Mason. I was like, 
oh my god is that Stasiak <laughs> I beat him immediately I was like oh my god what is he doing here go ahead and break his nose <laughs> he gets his nose broken not once in this franchise but twice he gets his nose broken in six also mm-hmm. and um you know sort of justice for Stasiak is basically what I say you know <laughs> Like, Han, great. Like, Justice for Han, great. Like, bring him back. But, like, really bring Stasiak back. Like, let's get Stasiak as part of the crew. You know? He's um, great. He's one of those just, like, great that guys. Where the second he was on screen, I was like, I have to figure out who this is. I know this guy. I've seen him. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of the classic that guys that you see, like, everywhere. I, I hope he sort of breaks out and does something, like, lead you know i hope he gets something as a lead somewhere i'd love to see him stretch into like a really a f- uh fleshed out full main character at some point could do another franchise break off like we've got hobbs and shaw going we just do the stasiac um, movies let's not do another franchise break off. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've seen hobbs and shaw but like i, I have think... of course i have yeah 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 do you want was- to talk about do you want to talk about Hobbs and Shaw for a second? Like, I would love an outsider's perspective on. I thought um, we were on the Fast and Furious 2009. I yeah, know, I know. I would I know. love to talk about Hobbs and Shaw. Sure. Yeah. I. Hobbs and Shaw has really good jokes. It has yeah. great jokes. It's funny. <laughs> Hard it's got, disagree. I, <laughs> for a movie of this caliber it's fun it's having a good time and okay. yet they just packed so much bullshit into this movie that it ends up having no stakes makes zero sense i mean i loved having idris elba as the villain he was having a great time and i was having a great time watching him mm-hmm. but by the time that they go back to like the rocks like home island and introduce another 20 characters it's just like mm-hmm. what the actual fuck is the point of any of this right and what is happening here i feel like you could have a fun like more fast five kind of bank heist type film with these two characters Hobbs and Shaw but like oh boy they bit off a ton and it just didn't end up working oh my god did they ever the script is a mess you know and it's like there's a sister and also the FBI is involved and all of a sudden we're on an island and like all of Deckard and Owen Shaw's family is somehow like there's just too many things are happening this is why I'm on Team Vin. Like, as much as I don't like watching Vin Diesel kiss anybody, watching The Rock court and then kiss the fucking lady from The Crown, like, I it's so horrible. It's such a horrible fucking experience for, for anybody, I think. It's like, how can you not, how can you side with this dude? He's, he's... <laughs> It is so awful. Yes. Yeah. So th- the thing about Hobbs and Shaw, now that I'm thinking about it, is that the movie would have been so much better if it were the if it were the Hattie's movie, right? And right. both yeah. Hobbs and Shaw were were secondary characters to totally. Hattie's, Hattie's story. I could see that. It would have yeah. been a good movie, right? Yeah. But because the focus is on the rocks hulking gigantic ass, like not so good. No, and like Jason Statham is like. Is this doing it for us in 2020? Wow. Like, wow. Is it? 
<laughs> I like Jason Statham. So Jason the one thing Statham of, is great. And he plays the same thing all the time. It's yes. like, all right, I get it. You're the transporter, and you've been the transporter. You did crank. You're the same guy all the time. That's fine. But like, you know. As opposed think, to Vin Diesel, a guy who has just made a huge career out of transforming himself <laughs> like a chameleon. But he Completely different roles. The thing is, the thing with Vin is he can, but he chooses not to. He chooses not to. <laughs> right, my apologies. He has it in him. It's so, it's, that's the frustrating part. He has it in him. He just doesn't does like The Rock because he succeeds. You just want to see Finn work it out. <laughs> the Rock doesn't have it in him. And honestly, <laughs> neither does Jason Statham. Who was Jason Statham? He was like, he was what? He was like an Olympic swimmer, I think, or diver at one point in his life. And then was a model and then was a bad actor. Wow. Yeah. He's so fun, though. He's so <sighs> fun. And he just doesn't—he uh, just doesn't take himself as seriously as Ben. That's my issue. See, I, we see that as an asset. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, Vin's Vin's taking himself too seriously, and particularly in this franchise, I feel like is really what fucked up eight. Not to just keep moving from mm, mm-hmm. movie to movie, but like the, the without Brian. And with just The Rock and Vin Diesel refusing to be in a scene together, that movie just sucked. Yeah, that movie suffered. That movie suffered big time. And not just from a script perspective, but no chemistry. Because Vin doesn't have anybody to be charismatic with. You know, Letty's there, but, like, Letty's role in Eight is so trash and, like, relegated to, like, the corner of a corner of a room. Yep. That it's... um, which I think is one of the reasons she sort of called them out after eight and was like, you guys got to fix this shit basically with the female characters in the franchise overall, basically, you know? Yeah. yeah. But, um, well, you know, they push her to the back side back. and then Vin has nobody except the rock who he hates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just mm. going to say that brings us back around to four mm-hmm. in which Michelle Rodriguez again, just murdered almost immediately. Right. And this is like, this is the one, this is the first movie where like Mia actually gets an opportunity to at least like drive a car and not just be pregnant or like the younger boring sister. But even that just like, it's not great. She is barely on screen. Yeah. So you're looking at Brian and Vin trying to hold on to anything that's happening in this movie. Yep. It's so bullshit that they gave basically like the meatiest I would say like the meatiest um, female role in this franchise almost like the one who sticks out in my head as like sort of the biggest factor or most important to the actual plot of one of these movies is fucking Gina Carano from Six right where she she's like the infiltrator and ends up being a bad guy and starts out as a good guy. But like they gave that role to like this, a like such a fucking bad actress. <laughs> it's, it's almost painful. Yeah. And B it's like this nobody person who has no connection to the franchise previous to six, no connection to the franchise post six. And like, you've got these like really good actresses who've been with you since the beginning, like Michelle and Jordana, 
um, who like all you've done is like stick them in a room with a computer to be like, oh, take a left on, you know, whatever street. This is right. horseshit. Yeah, you gotta trust your cast because totally, man. Right, trust and the I family. think yeah, I think the theme that we're seeing here is, or that we're sort of pointing out here is that right, we have a series like a multi-year series of bad collaborations right yeah. the idea was to bring in the rock star power to bring in jason statham gina carano and to bring in these sort of outside influences to to pump up yeah the franchise when the heart of it and the reason we watch it is for the family you know you're totally right and like it's the same factor like nine Nine looks promising, but like John Cena, is he gonna fucking do it? You know? Yeah. Mm, maybe. <laughs> also, the fact that he's playing Finn's brother is just so fucking funny to me. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Daryl thinks they look exactly the same. I'm, this is I'm the wildest thing about Daryl. I think they look similar <laughs> enough. I'm looking forward to having Brother Toretto in here. What are they gonna come up with? I'm very excited. When Daryl saw the trailer, he was like, Oh, are they playing twins? <laughs> they do not. They do not look alike. No, they don't look alike at fine. all. It's fine. Whatever. They could do whatever they want at this point. Daryl, um, my bro, do you want to do a couple little um, shout outs? Shout outs. Shout outs. So we have a little mini segment on this podcast that ends up taking about half of the podcast called Shout Outs. Where we, you know, these movies have a lot of product placement in them. We just out of the goodness of our hearts like to have some product placement on the pod. Um, so uh, these are just like people, things, institutions that we're digging this week. Uh, Daryl, do you want to like start us off this week on shout outs and give us Give us a good one. Sure. Um, so my shout out this week is related to um, my weather related turmoil earlier in the week. Mm -hmm. um, I need to give a shout out to the the sweetness of the 4G LTE network. It's something that you don't appreciate on an mm -hmm. everyday basis. And yet it follows you around and allows you to do all of your basic things yeah. all the time. And yeah. for the first time in sort of a long time, I didn't have access to it when I really needed it. I was stuck in Connecticut, which had no power, no cell phone service. And I was like, this is absolutely horrible. But I'm back on the network. It's wonderful. Don't take your don't take your mobile internet for granted. That shit is so weak. Um, yeah, and it's not like that dog shit 5G that gives you COVID. <laughs> you don't want to be messing with that 5G stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, I don't want you to get in trouble as a reporter. We both know. I <laughs> COVID does not give you five 5G and 5G doesn't give you COVID. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Fact checked. Fact checked. Thank um, you. I appreciate that. I mean, I've been rocking the 4G LTE definitely for a while. Um, mostly through T Mobile, which is like, mm, is it great? It's not great. Is it great? But, yeah, it's been fairly reliable. I've been okay with it, basically. Mm -hmm. um, I'm ready for the next stage in evolution, though. I'm ready for that nanometer wave beaming into my eyeballs. You know what I mean? Hit me. Hit yeah. me real quick. Hit me. Hit me. <laughs> Give me that turbo speed. 
<laughs> I need 5G so that I can like perform surgeries in Poughkeepsie from South Korea. You know, mm-hmm. that's what no I need. Mean. No data loss. Yeah, that's yeah, right. No data loss. That's what no that latency. does, right? Yeah. Yeah. I live in a house made of concrete, so my 4G does absolutely nothing for me, and my phone is bricked oh, half the time. Sort of so, a counterpoint, girl. I would mm-hmm. love. I would love the 5G, regardless yeah. of the cancer or the corona or whatever, which again, is not real. It doesn't happen. Right, right. It's not real. Don't, don't start taking an ax to 5G towers, everybody. Okay? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're not cool. We're going to need those very shortly. We're going to need them real bad, especially if everybody's working from home. Mm-hmm. Sarah Mims, you were prepped a little bit. Do you have a shout out you want to, you got something on your mind you want to shout out to this week? I do. Mm -hmm. So my shout out is what I'm currently drinking. And I'm sorry if there's ice noise in the background uh, from me drinking this. It is a High West Campfire Bourbon. High West. Uh, High West is the distillery. Uh, It's their Campfire Bourbon Whiskey. I am a bourbon person. Mm -hmm. But this is a blend of bourbon with also a little bit of scotch. And so it just has this like smoky flavor to it, like a campfire. And it's delightful. It's a really nice treat during COVID. Yeah, it's really good. I used to be a bit of a burby boy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, My question is, where is the High West? the high west of a particular place or is that a, oh, that's a great country question. that i'm not familiar with i have the bottle right here let me take a look i think it's colorado i want to say but, uh, i feel like if it, look. isn't there a thing where it's like if it's like like scotch and like champagne where bourbon has to be made in a specific south southeastern region of the united states to be considered yeah. bourbon that's correct. So they often will call it a bourbon style whiskey or oh. bourbon whiskey. And also, to be fair, when I say that's correct, I mean like as a bourbon connoisseur, I think that's right. But like, I don't fucking know. I don't make right. bourbon. Right. Uh, so I don't want anyone tweeting at me about being wrong. Hey, Sarah. Yeah. No one listens to this podcast. <laughs> they will not tweet at you. I promise. <laughs> Uh, it's Park City, Utah. I apologize. Park City, Utah. Park City, Utah. It's a Mormon whiskey. Um, As they're yeah. famous for, the Mormons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those famous uh, Mormon distilleries. You know, you just uh, you sneak out of Salt Lake, you go up to Park City, you get yourself a, a nice bourbon. It's delicious. Yeah. Um, I used to drink a lot of Knob Creek bourbon. Mm-hmm. And... That I enjoyed very much, and then when I couldn't afford that, which because it was pretty expensive, yeah, I was a Jim Beam. I was big into oh, sure. Jim Beam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Jim old Beam granddad. Old granddad. Yeah, mm-hmm. I used to drink a lot of old granddad in college. Yeah, the orange label is so beautiful. It's so it really it's incredible. <laughs> it's good vibes. What's the other one? Uh, Kentucky Gentleman is like the main rail in dc it's it's on the old granddad scale it's not it's not terrible it's cheap the main rail Mm. oh yeah every bar bar in dc is kentucky gentleman is that a swamp term the main rail i oh god uh no i may have just made it up feel free to steal it rad everybody (laughs) shout out to the main rail (laughs) great (laughs) phrase Love that place. <laughs> Solid turn of turn of. Yeah, you know. Main Rail would be a good name for a bar for sure. Oh yeah, that's a really. Sarah, I appreciate you making me my first million. 
<laughs> I want to give a shout out. People, I people on this pod know I'm into like the food situation. I give a lot of food shout outs, and this week is not going to be any different. Um, I want to give a shout out to. This is a a little bit of an anti shout out, coupled in a shout out. So my shout out is to Polenta because it's delicious. Nice. And Daryl, you may have mentioned polenta before on the pod. Have you? It's possible. It's I have possible. used polenta before, but it's possible. I don't think I made it myself. I don't think I made it myself. I definitely so didn't make it I myself, did. and nor would I be capable of making. What it goes in it is a mystery. Mm-hmm. But um, it's corn-based, I believe. Is that true? Yes. 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 Um, it's creamy, smooth. It goes well with almost everything savory, you know? Or you could have like a sort of a sweet polenta, kind of like a dessert polenta. Um, it's a very versatile food item. So this morning, right before we were podcasting, I was at a restaurant and I ordered this like morning sunshine breakfast call with like, it's got like kale and spinach and um, broccolini on a bed of polenta. Hmm. Uh, and they didn't give me any fucking polenta. And I was all like, I was pumped for it. I was like ready for the polenta and it didn't turn out. And then I was like, mm, there's not a lot of, I didn't like say anything cause there was like a little bit of polenta. So I could be like, Oh, you guys just forgot the polenta part of this. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be a dick. I hate, like being a dick at restaurants is the worst look in the entire world. I'm not gonna be like, uh, this, where's the, where are we at with the polenta, boys? So I just kind of like ate it and then paid and then left. And I don't even want to mention the name of the restaurant in Auckland that everybody is gonna go to. But um, yeah, I just like missed it this morning. I was like, I was, my heart was excited for it. And I like, I found myself missing it much like when we watched too fast a few weeks ago and I was missing Vin Diesel. You know? <laughs> it's a really sad very story. Similar. So yeah, shout out to Polenta as a, as sort of a base baseline food group. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're talking like less than a half fill of your, I, I assume it's served in like a flat bowl thing. Mm. Talking, are we talking less than a half fill for the polenta to everything else in their ratio? I would say here's it. Okay, so normally I've gotten this exact dish before. Normally it's like someone took it's on a plate, but normally it's like someone took a scoop with a serving spoon of polenta and plopped it on the dish. Okay, yeah, semi semi dome shape. This morning, this morning's dish was like more like. Um, a, sh- a fancy chef sort of took like a spoon and did a swipe of polenta on the mm. dish. You know what I mean? Yeah, one of those like schmears that they do. Yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. But yeah, I think you're very correct here. Polenta is not a garnish. Okay, no. it's a base for a dish. Yes. You can be garnishing with polenta. Don't even put it on there. And you can't call it a polenta dish. If it's just a garnish. Also, 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 also. <laughs> I've been good all week. I'm here for the carbs. It's Saturday, guys. 
Okay. Light me, light me up on those corn-based starches. Okay. I'm not here for the broccolini. I'm here for the fucking carbohydrates. Okay. <laughs> Let my body process it like sugar. Extra Give butter me it. That shit. You know. Um, I stay try to stay trim. I try to stay fit. I run a lot. I work out a lot. But like one day a week, I get one day a week. You know. And like, mm, don't mess with it. Don't smear it. Scoop it. (laughs) That's my motto. That's my motto. People on the pod know I said it. (laughs) Synonyms, do you have anything else you need to talk about with Fast and Furious 4? There's one other thing I would like to talk about. Lay it on us. I want to talk about the scene in which Vin pieces together Letty's death as if he is Willem Dafoe's character in Boondock Saints, a skill which he has never shown before since this film, a scene which I loved and found so confusing. <laughs> I will, I will, I will, I will say, so uh, yes. I've been having car troubles recently with my 2013 <laughs> Volkswagen Tiguan. And every time I hop in the car, I try to channel my inner Vin Diesel and try to hear based on the tones within the within the um yeah within the cabin and exterior i try to understand diagnose yeah yeah, to to diagnose the problems it's it doesn't work for normal people Mm. (laughs) Mm. it's a special power that he has i he's standing there looking at tire tracks and just like looking at a field and pieces together her entire murder yeah which is otherwise not seen on screen. He's like it's, fucking it's just, Batman. You know? I love like, it. Yes. Um, it's exactly like Batman. Yeah. It's a, that's a very good comparison. It's exactly like Batman. That's totally true. And then like, I, you're so right that it has never been seen since. Dom is not the puzzle solver. Oh, Daryl's got a point. Hold on. No. Darryl. We saw the first. We saw the first glimpse of this power at the end of Fast and the Furious original, right? Mm-hmm. When Jesse shows up at um, you're so right. He has like a spider sense moment a, when Johnny Tran is coming for him. Exactly, Johnny Tran, Lance the pants, rolling up in their um, motorcycles with uh, what do you call those things? Uzis. He can hear yeah. them from half a mile away, and he understands exactly what's going to go down. So he knows. That's a good point. So yeah, does he have some kind of superhero power? that he's just hiding from the world most of the time, except in these two instances where it's very needed. It's definitely like a reflection of his energy and focus of like 10 seconds or less, right? (laughs) (laughs) I need a 10 second car. I need a 10 second mind. Yeah. Yeah. Where he like, he's in the race and nothing else matters. Like he describes his like, vision when he gets in the car and is racing that 10 seconds or less like he's free he's like so laser focused on like the the finish line that like it's almost a superpower right um and we see it a few times you're right daryl like i think we see that like spider sense kind of thing happening with the johnny tran scene we see the sort of like car whisper scene and four but I don't know that, like, 
like the like Dom is not the pro- the puzzle solver in these movies, right? Like he's the leader. But like in I'm thinking specifically in 6, the scene where they're in the military compound and they figure out the that Shaw is going to hit the convoy instead of hitting like the base, right? Yeah. Yeah. And but it's not Dom who's coming up with that. It's like Brian bouncing off Tej, bouncing off, you know, other people who are like, oh, he's hitting the convoy. Like, and then Dom is like, let's go get him. Like, let's take decisive action now and go get him. He's not the one who's sort of piecing this all clicking together in his mind, kind of. Um, I'll have to look for it, but I don't. I can't think of like any other instances in which he really sort of comes up with the master plan. There's maybe a glimpse of it um, hmm. in eight, um, but I don't. I'm not sure if it's an exact um, demonstration of his skills. But he's able to, uh, upon meeting Charlize Theron in the streets, right, quickly diagnose the nature of her car issue and mm-hmm. figure out really quickly that the jig is up. Says, hey, like, well, she says, Dom, she says his name. Mm. He doesn't introduce himself, and then she says his name, Dom, and then he's like, Something's wrong here. Mm. And then he's like, The car, you fucked this car on purpose. Mm. I don't think that quite qualifies. The only other thing I can think of, maybe, is like five him and Brian get everybody together for the, for the heist, and there's no real planning scene, but it's like, did them two together come up with the safe dragging around the city scheme? Or was mm. it like, did that come up afterwards with the whole crew together? Mm. I don't know. Right. I mean, on that note, he kind of does that in this movie too with the gasoline heist, which if you've seen the 20 minute prequel movie was that whole thing was orchestrated by Dom. He figures oh. out the whole way to do that. Mm. It's interesting. Mm. I'll have to go back and uh, watch some of these again, looking out for superpower Dom. I always recommend watching these movies. One time. <laughs> one time is good. Yeah. One time in a, once in a while is good. I've seen them all at least once. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good enough amount. Basically. Um, Daryl, you got anything else you need to talk about for this movie? That's a wrap for me. Yeah. I'm glad we're I'm glad we're enter- entering the I guess the tail end of the series. It's a lot more fun. It takes a lot more time to do this, but you know, it's so this is like our hump day movie almost. Well I guess the next one is. There's nine movies. Sorry, yeah, the next one is, yeah, this it's is changed. A, now that Hobson Shaw fucked the whole picture of our podcast. Basically. <laughs> it's the worst. It's, it's the I worst. Just, I dread it. I dread it. And it makes the rest of the movies just feel a little bit more like a drag because like five is the halfway point rather than four, which was, this was like, oh, we're not done. It was great. And then it's like, fuck, there's a whole other week involved in getting halfway there. That is such a bummer. Um, they should have. They should have released Fast Nine straight to uh, straight to Amazon Prime. That would have changed the whole. That would have changed my whole year here. Yeah, it, it would have saved twenty twenty for me. Exactly. <laughs> like 
<laughs> you know, like 2020, no problem. If we got a fucking Fast 9, like, I'm into it. Whatever. <laughs> you know, just drop it, yo. Just drop it on here. Like, movie theaters are not coming back. What are you, out right. of your mind? 2021? It's not happening. Nobody's going to the movie theater. Just give me That's the movie. What, I need it. I need it so bad right now. I need it so badly. When it comes out, are we going to watch it before or after Hobson Shaw in the cycle? Uh, uh, first, first impression seems like an after, yeah. but we can make that assessment based on the content of the, of the film itself. I think that's a lovely idea. Maybe we'll do both. We're going to watch it probably more than once. This is my guess. Sir <laughs> <laughs> so Mims, it has been absolutely lovely to have you on the podcast. Thank you guys for having me. It's been great to be here. Loved it. If you want to be here with us, you can find us at Nolt Podcast, N-O-L-T-T Podcast on Twitter. No One Likes a Tuna Podcast on Instagram. You can email us, uh, no one likes a tuna podcast at gmail.com. You could even, if you're so inclined, like if you want to throw us $1, that is totally possible. If you go to patreon.com slash no one likes, slash no one likes the tuna podcast. We have a couple tiers there. If you want to throw us a buck, just sign up and then cancel after a month. And then that'll be it, which will be totally cool. Um, we love all our patrons. Um, and you get to vote on the in-between movies if you're a patron also. Uh, last thing is rate us and review us. It's hard to get people to rate and review. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. But like... Come on, jokers. Just do it. If you're listening and you haven't done it, just do it. It takes five minutes. Sign up with your Apple ID and just get in there and just throw us a review. You know? I don't know what to tell you. Darren Wong, I hope you have a good week, my friend. Thanks, Nick. And thank you again, Sarah, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for doing your research and bringing the questions. (laughs) It's always refreshing for us. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, guys. Talk to you next week, buddy. Later.